It's Hanukkah this week, and so I'm going to share with you what is perhaps my most extensive Hanukkah presentation that I've done thus far. Welcome to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. If you haven't checked out last week's podcast on the book of Job, um, I think it might be one of my best uh, to date. So uh, please do check that out. I'll make sure the link to that is in the description. Uh, Just this uh, past Sunday evening, I had the opportunity to share a Hanukkah presentation at Chapel Ridge Church here in Ottawa, and um, I think you'll really appreciate what I cover as we look at the history, uh, how it's celebrated today, and some important lessons, as well as uh, some some personal reflections. Um, Before I present that to you, Remember, please, to subscribe and to like and to share and review and all those good things uh, to to get this podcast out to more people. And so let's uh, play that presentation for you, and then I'll close with some final comments at the end. Okay, Hanukkah. Uh, So some people might wonder why they see it spelled Hanukkah or Hanukkah. I I can't say it differently because anyway, there's two ways spelled, the, the CH way which is a lot like Christmas. You know Christmas? Did you know that Christmas is also a ch? It's from Christos, which is Greek for Mashiach, which is Messiah, Messiah, Christ, same word. That's extra. That's not a Hanukkah thing. But uh, so growing up, it was always Hanukkah with a CH, and somehow they decided to drop the C, but you're supposed to know that the, the H is aspirated. That's New word, aspirated, When I was a kid, I wanted to really say Hanukkah really well, and I kept saying it over and over and over again until I gave myself a sore throat. And I finally learned you're not supposed to say it deep in your throat. It's really supposed to be more in the back of your mouth, Hanukkah. Uh, Hanukkah takes place on the 25th of Kislev in the Jewish calendar, which happens to be tonight. the Jewish calendar is a, I used to always call it a lunar calendar, a lunar calendar. A lunar calendar means that uh, the new month starts with the new moon and goes along like that all the time. Well, the Islamic calendar is a true lunar calendar, and that's why you'll see Islamic holidays way at different times of the year as it goes along. But the Jewish calendar is a self-correcting, well, it's not self-correcting, but self-correcting solar lunar calendar so that uh, it's been manipulated somewhat so that you don't lose that kind of time. So the Jewish holidays will appear sometimes earlier, sometimes later, but not too off that much. So it's it's going to be somewhere in November, December, and this year it, it falls, the beginning of it falls tonight. And the Jewish day always begins in the evening. Most people, it's one of the, I like asking people some of these questions, and, and most people get this one. It's the, because it goes back to Genesis 1, there was evening, there was morning the first day. So the Jewish day begins when the sun goes down, which is a lot better than how we do it, because at midnight, what happens? Nothing. The day changes at midnight. Um, and so when the sun goes down, and of course, some parts of the year that happens earlier, some parts later. Not if you're in the land of Israel, where it's always around 6 o'clock-ish, because it's closer to the equator. So the Jewish day always begins at sundown. Uh, 
The festival of Hanukkah is eight days long, um, and so I'll explain where the eight days comes from in a moment. So as we go through this, I'm going to be giving you some history. I'm going to share some of the, explain some of the contemporary observances, celebrations of the holiday, and some lessons that we could learn from this very important occasion. Well, so let's look at the history. First of all, it takes place, this fancy word, in the intertestamental period. That's the time between the end of the writing of the Old Testament, which I like to call the Hebrew Scriptures, and the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, people often will refer to that time period as 400 years of silence. That really has to do with there being no authoritative inspired writings at that time. But that doesn't mean that God was silent. It certainly doesn't mean that God wasn't doing anything. Um, in fact, he was doing many things that were setting up for what was going to happen in what we now call the first century when the Messiah actually came. Uh, I, a lot of the, some of the information about Hanukkah, most of actually, uh, comes from the books of First and Second Maccabees in a collection of books called the Apocrypha. Now, a lot of people that come from uh, Protestant, evangelical background, often when we hear the term apocrypha, we often react to it as those are, those are uh, um, like secret, dangerous books that we're not supposed to look at, the apocrypha. Um, there's actually a long history as to why they're called, the, uh, these collection of books are called the apocrypha. These were books that were part of the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures called the Septuagint. Now, most of the books that have been called Apocrypha by some, um, we have no Hebrew originals for, and some of them may not have been written in Hebrew at all, which is one of the reasons why they were not included by the Jewish authorities in the Hebrew scriptures. And it's also why throughout church history, there's been a controversy, do we include them in what we call the holy scriptures or do we not but they're not bad books uh they they're they're basically good books and traditionally the church has said even the parts of the church that have said that this should not be part of inspired holy scripture have encouraged people to read the books of the apocrypha that they are helpful to read and the book of first maccabees in particular is known to be um uh, Accurately, his, his, historically accurate. That's how I want to say that. Um, but before we get into that a little bit more, a, a bit about the historical background that leads up to the time of Hanukkah. Um, and so what had happened was the people of Israel, some hundreds of years before, had been exiled to Babylon. The northern king of Israel, 100 years before that, were scattered by the Assyrian Empire. Then the southern kingdom of Judah was exiled to Babylon. After the Babylonian Empire was the Persian Empire, and it was under the Persian Empire that as prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah, those Jewish people who wanted to return to the, the land of Israel and rebuild the temple were allowed to do so. That happened under the emperor Cyrus. And so after the Persian Empire um, was the Macedonian Empire, we often called the Greek Empire, Alexander the, the Great and so on. Um, and it was during the 
after Alexander died, the, um, his empire was split into factions, and the largest one was called the Seleucid Empire. It was very vast. It was a Greek empire, and the way you know, like English especially is very funny. So it's the Greek empire, but the term used is um, Hellenistic or um, you know, the people who, who embraced Greek culture were called Hellenists. Helen means Greek. You know that. Helen means Greek. So I don't know why they don't just say Greek, uh, but maybe that's partly to differentiate it from the, 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 the country itself in that particular region. Uh, but the, all the Greek myths, Greek religion, all the rest, that's called uh, Hellenistic. And so the Seleucid Empire was a vast Hellenistic empire that stretched from Macedonia, that's north of, of Greece, through modern Turkey, much of the Middle East, and up to modern Pakistan. It was quite large. Um, it eventually included the land of Israel, which then will, will bring us to the story of Hanukkah. Um, the Seleucid Empire was founded by Seleucus I and existed from 312 BC to, to 63 BC. And so then the, the events of Hanukkah happened around 165 BC. And that brings us to this, this person, Antiochus Epiphanes. He's actually Antiochus IV, and he reigned over the Seleucid Empire from 175 to 164 BC. His second name, Epiphanes, means God manifest. I think he had a bit of a pride problem. Um, anyway, so he, he helped to expand the Seleucid Empire, and as I said, it, it then included the, uh, the land of Israel. And he wanted to consolidate his kingdom by forcing the various peoples of his domain to submit to Hellenism, to, to, to the Greek religion. And that included uh, the people in the land of Israel un under his rule. And so it was a time where assimilation forces were bearing down very, very hard on the Jewish inhabitants of the land of Israel. Sadly, tragically, many Jews submitted to this, to this pressure. And you know, that's where things go wrong. We can worry, fret, be concerned about what's going on in the society around us. But when, when God's people begin to absorb the prevailing culture, the prevailing ways, even the prevailing spirituality, our day has a spirituality just like the day, in the days of Hellenism. And interestingly, and I can go on, you know, the Greeks had their myths, Canadians have their myths. There's all sorts of them, from outright superstition, the horoscope is still super, super popular, but also in the ways people think life works. Many of us have absorbed or assimilated into the prevailing culture, and that's what was going on. Well, it got worse. Torah study was forbidden. Uh, the temple was desecrated. They had built a gymnasium 
in in Jerusalem and 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 saying that there was a gymnasium built in Jerusalem doesn't mean that they set up a fitness center. Yeah, they did fitness and they celebrated the human body, but there was it was part of a way to honor the Greek gods. It was very very connected to their spirituality, which I guess fitness might also be. And how we look, <laughs> maybe. I don't even have that in my notes. But if you think about it, we, we do, we often, we, we do what others model for us. And most of us, myself included, we go along in all sorts of ways. We don't even know that we're doing it. So we, so we might need to ask the question, why are we doing what we're doing? They sacrificed a pig on the altar in Jerusalem, which, and that desecrated the altar. They erected a statue of Zeus in the temple. Remember, this was fine. This, was, this wasn't just um, Seleucids, Greek Seleucids, barging in, just doing their own thing. They were managing to get God's people to do it. We read in 1 Maccabees, chapter 1, verse 11, in those days there emerged in Israel lawless men, referring to Jewish Hellenists, Jewish people who uh, were um, living by Greek ways. Lawless men who persuaded many, saying, let us go and make a covenant with the nations that are around us, for since we separated ourselves from them, many evils have come upon us. We see this sort of thing. This is this very similar to things that we read in the book of Kings in, in the Old Testament. Well, one day, as the story goes, some uh, Greek official came to a priest living in the town of Modi'in, which is right near the Israeli airport, in case you want to know where it is. Um, no, there wasn't an airport back then, but you knew I knew that. And he called upon... Uh, Jewish people there to sacrifice to the Greek God. And when one of the Jewish people did that, this priest by the name of Matityahu, Matityahu he copied um, what um, somebody had done in the books of Moses and um, he skewered him. And that assault on this Jewish assimilationist someone who had bought in to the pagan culture, that act by Matityahu began what became known as the Maccabean Revolt. Matityahu was basically saying, enough is enough. Matityahu soon died, and his son Judah became the leader of this small band of rebels that built still a quite small army who began to take on the dominant Seleucid, Seleucid forces. We don't know exactly where the term Maccabee came from. It could have been a nickname given to Judah. It means the hammer. Or it could be an acrostic, where the letters are from the sentence from Exodus 15.11, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? In Hebrew, Michamochab elim Adonai. 
Early on in the Maccabean Rebellion, they managed to recapture the temple, cleanse it, and rededicate it. Hanukkah means dedication, and that's where, that's how this holiday gets named. Again, I'm not to get quicker on the button. So Hanukkah, it's simply the Hebrew word for dedication. Now, as the story is normally told, there's the story of the legend of the oil, and I'll explain in a little while why it's a legend, but it is one of the most well-known aspects of the Hanukkah story. And the legend of the oil goes like this, that when they uh, rededicated the, the altar in the temple in Jerusalem, they wanted to relight the seven-branched candlestick that was in the holy place of the temple. The Hebrew word for candlestick is menorah. Or is the Hebrew word for light. So a menorah is a light thing. Candlestick. The story goes that they only found one cruise of oil that would last only one day. And they say a miracle happened and it lasted for eight days. Thus, that's why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. The, what they celebrated was much like the festival of Sukkot, tabernacles, festival of booths, and we'll come back to that. As far as we know, this legend of the oil is simply a legend. Most people won't tell you that because most people don't know that because every Hanukkah book for kids, every time the story is told, we're told the same story about the oil. But if you actually dig into Jewish sources, it's not a secret. It is simply a legend. But... Hanukkah is about miracles, and we'll get to that. So as I said, it, it's an eight-day festival, and after they, they battled the Hellenists for about three years, and they established a, a, a period of autonomy for the nation of Israel. Most of us don't realize that when the people of, of Israel came back from Babylon, from Persia, actually, um, and built the second temple... They were still under foreign domination for almost the entire time. First the Persians, then the Greeks, Seleucids, and then the Romans. And it was only during the Seleucid period, for some time, brief time, there was some autonomy. The festival is mentioned in the New Testament in John chapter 10. I'm going to start by reading John 10, uh, verses 22 through 30. At that time, the Feast of Dedication, if you're reading it in Hebrew, it would say the Feast of Hanukkah, Chag Hanukkah, took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah or the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. We're going to jump down to chapter 10 verses 37 and 38. 
If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Notice it's Hanukkah time. And he's saying to the people, if you don't believe my words, believe my works. And the works he's referring to, we call those his miracles, his signs and wonders. So at Hanukkah time, he's talking about his miracles. Hanukkah is a time of miracles. But I mentioned that as far as we know, the story of the miracle of the oil is just a legend. So why refer to miracles? Well, we'll get there. Next, we're going to look at how Hanukkah is commemorated. Um, so there are special prayers and songs that are sung, and then there is the lighting of the menorah. So this is a Hanukkah menorah. Um, when I was sitting in the seat, I was wondering how well you could see it because it kind of, it kind of, whatever, I was, you know what I mean. I hope you could see it okay. Um, so this is a Hanukkah menorah. That's what we always called it when we grew up. Technically, it's called a Hanukkah. Hanukkah. So you can impress your, your friends with Hanukkah, but calling it a, Han a Hanukkah menorah is, is also correct. Um, it has nine branches. The reason why it has nine branches, it, there's eight, eight branches for uh, each of the days of Hanukkah. And we light one the first night, which I'm going to do in a moment because it starts tonight. And then tomorrow we light two candles. We let them burn down all the way until the eighth night. We light all eight. Why is there nine? Well, there's nine because the candles, and a lot of people are now buying these really neat oil, uh, oil menorahs. They're very cool. Um, the purpose of the Hanukkah candles is one to proclaim the miracle of Hanukkah. And many people put their Hanukkah menorah in their window so everybody could see the light burning to proclaim the miracle of Hanukkah, which we'll get to. Because that's the sole purpose of the eight candles, we need an extra one. The extra candle is called the shamish. Shamish means servant. This is the servant candle that lights all the under other candles. Now, maybe some of you, well, some of you have heard this before, others of you might be quick. How, what a wonderful picture this is. In the Gospels, Jesus calls himself the light of the world, and he calls us the light of the world, his followers. And so the servant of God, which we read about in Isaiah, prophesied about how the servant of God would come, the light of the world comes and lights us up. We, we are called to proclaim the miracle, not only of, of Hanukkah, but the miracles of God. And so what I'm, I'm going I'm to light the candles, and then I'll explain the blessings that are said.
It's a family tradition to have trouble with the lighting of the candles. So there are, technically, there's two blessings that are said after we light the, uh, the candles. Um, and then on the first night, we also do a, a special one. The special one is said at many special Jewish occasions. They're often said at the beginning of other festivals and also other major events. If there's been a tragedy, the community gets to the tragedy, this blessing would be said. It's, it's actually quite wonderful. In English, it's, Blessed are you, Adonai, or Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and brought us to this season. Like a post-COVID blessing, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to sing it at the end. I invite you all to join me in Amen. Can we do that? Amen. Very good. It goes like this. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehechianu Vikiyamanu Vihigianu Lazman Hazeh Amen this, this second blessing, which is on the first night, every other night is the first blessing, it acknowledges God, blesses God, for he directed us to light the Hanukkah lights. Now, as Jewish believers in Yeshua, Jesus, who came to see that only the scriptures are God's inspired word, what we've done with our own Jewish background and elements of the Jewish religion is we've sought to put everything through what we call a biblical filter. So we take our traditions, we put it through the biblical filter, and those things that hold up as, as God directed, we do. The things that do not hold up with Scripture, we drop. And those things that seem to be neither here nor there, we pray about it and we decide what to do. Actually, I think this should be a recipe for all believers with everything. We often don't realize how much stuff we kind of drag along with us, and we often don't take the time to bring elements of our lives, especially those things that, that we've loved since we were kids. We, we, it's difficult for us to put them through biblical filters, but we had to. Rob and I came to the Lord in our late teens very separately. We had to. seems to me all of us need to do that, especially when we're thinking about the events of Hanukkah, how necessary it is to see how have we assimilated and be, become realigned or rededicated to the Lord. Anyway, so this the second blessing we don't say because we don't have any record of God himself directing our people to light these candles. We see this as simply a good tradition to commemorate a very important event. So that blessing we don't say. The other blessing we do say, and in English it is, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who performed miracles for our forefathers in those days at this time. What those miracles are, I promise you, I will tell you. And it goes like this. You can join with the Amen at the end. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam 
always thought I knew something was going to happen. Did I do that right, Robin? Yeah. I got lost on the note. We just did it this evening before we came. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Sha'as You want to come up and help me? Oh, she doesn't want to help me. Abby. Sha'as Nisim Lavoteinu Bayamim Ha'hem Ba'azman Hazeh Amen. You know the passage about being clay pots, you know, cracked pots? Yeah, I love that passage. Yeah, we're all like that, really. Just some of us don't show it as much as others. All right. Um, so that's the lighting of the menorah. And then usually following that, there's a traditional song that's sung. It's the Jewish Rock of Ages. It's called, am I having trouble now with this? There it is. It's called Mautzur in Hebrew. Rock of Ages is what it means. doesn't sound anything like the one you're more familiar with. So I'm going to sing for you the Hebrew and the English. Um, if anyone here does know it, please feel free to sing along. And hopefully I will get these notes. Ma'otzur Yeshuati Lachana Elushabeach Tikon Betefilati Visham Todan Isabeach Leitachin Mat I went too high. Leitachin Mat Beach Mitzar Hamnabeach Az negmor bishir mizmor Chanukat hamizbeach Az negmor bishir mizmor Chanukat hamizbeach Rock of ages, let our song Praise your saving power You amid the raging foes Were our sheltering tower Furious they assailed us But your arm availed us And your word broke their sword When our own strength failed us And your word broke their sword When our own strength failed us All right, so we're uh, continuing on with uh, Hanukkah, the commemoration of Hanukkah. And there are special foods that are eaten at this time. The first one is in Yiddish. Yiddish is the language of Eastern European Jews, which is um, Robin, both Robin and my background. And so Jews from Eastern Europe eat latkes, which are potato pancakes, and sufganiyot. Uh, that other Jewish people from other parts of the world eat sufganiyot, which are jelly donuts. And here we have potato pancakes, latkes, often eaten with sour cream or applesauce. And now we've got the sifkoniyot. You know what jelly donuts look like. Next. The greeting. Easiest one to remember is Happy Hanukkah. If you can't do the ch, don't worry about it. No one is going to get upset at you. A lot of people say Chag Sameach, which is Hebrew, like French, is often to English people, seems backwards. Chag is festival. A Sameach has to do with joyous, joyful. Um, and so for many Jewish holidays, Chag Sameach is a, a more technical 
uh, thing to say. At Hanukkah specifically, you can say, Hanukkah Sameach. So turn to the people around you and say, Hanukkah Sameach. Very good. So and when, we grew, when we grew up, it was very common for uh, adults to give gifts of money, not lots of money, gifts of money to the children. And the term used is gelt. Gelt means money and in Yiddish. More recently, because of this other holiday that happens to fall around this time of year that you might be aware of, um, a lot of Jewish people will give gifts at Hanukkah time. Um, sometimes I'll give a li- something a little present each of the eighth days, maybe just you know one thing, uh, but that's what's common. Okay, the next the next thing are the dreidels. Dreidels, uh, dreidels a Yiddish word. It's it's a spinning top, um, and uh, in Hebrew it's sivivon. And so there's a picture of a couple of dreidels there. And I'm going to explain the dreidel. On the dreidel are four letters. They're in Hebrew, and they're going the correct way because Hebrew, older than English, goes from right to left. That letter's a nun. Say nun. Then there's gimel. Oh, you're good. Hey. Hey. And sheen. Okay. So those are, they stand for four words. Nes, gadol, haya, sham. And that means, Nes means miracle, Gadol means great, Haya means happened, Sham means there. Put it all together, a great miracle happened there. So the dreidel uh, is a sentence. Now I have a different dreidel here. Get up. There we go. No, it's really hard to see. Uh, this other blue dreidel, not as big as the other one, and it's different in one way. And the way it's different, here you can even look at it. Okay. The way it's different is the last letter is in Sheen. It's Po, meaning here. Because when you're in Israel, you can't say a great miracle happened there because a great miracle happened <clears throat> here. So, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> okay, so it means a great miracle happened here. Now, this blue dreidel that I got, we, we call it a Po dreidel instead of a... Uh, a sham dreidel, because it means here, not there. So when I got this in Israel some years ago, and I was going to take it on the airplane, I wondered, would the letter change? Because, or else, you know, what would happen? The universe is going to just bring it back to Canada, and it's still saying here, when it's supposed to be there. Well, no, it's, it still says here. And you know what that tells us? We're supposed to see miracles here. Okay, it's time to talk about the Hanukkah miracle. So I mentioned about the, uh, the legend of the oil and how it, uh, I didn't really mention how it's legend. So it, there's, a, there's a little story in a part of a very large collection of Jewish religious writings called the Talmud. Talmud is full of all sorts of things, mainly discussions about the books of Moses and, and other things relating to that. But there's also fables and, and legends, and that's how the story of the, the oil of Hanukkah appear. Um, in the writings of, of the Maccabees and also the well-known Jewish historian Josephus, who lived in the first century, who documents some of the things that happened 
at Hanukkah time, he doesn't mention the miracle of the oil either. So it's not, God could have done this. God does miracles, but it does not look like he did this one. And interestingly, there's a very famous prayer that's, uh, that's said at Hanukkah time that's called For All the Miracles, and it talks about the miracle of Hanukkah. So let's see what the prayer says. It goes like this. And we thank you, God, for the miracles, for the redemption, for the mighty deeds, for the saving acts, and for the wonders which you have wrought for our ancestors in those days at this time, in the days of Matityahu, the son of Yohanan, the high priest, the Hasmonean and his sons, when the wicked Hellenic government rose up against your people Israel to make them forget your Torah and violate the decrees of your will. But you, in your abounding mercy, stood by them in the time of their distress. You waged their battles, defended their rights, and avenged the wrong done to them. You delivered the mighty into the hands of the weak, the many into the hands of the few, the impure into the hands of the pure, the wicked into the hands of the righteous, and the wanton sinners into the hands of those who occupy themselves with your Torah. You made a great and holy name for yourself in your world and effected a great deliverance and redemption for your people Israel to this very day. Then your children entered the shrine of your house, cleansed your temple, purified your sanctuary, kindled lights in your holy courtyards, and instituted these eight days of Hanukkah to give thanks and praise to your great name. And so, what is the miracle of Hanukkah? Not the legend of the oil. The weak overcame the strong, the few over the many. We could only get that. If we could only get that, that this is the miracle, that those who, in their own capacity, in their own strength, can't, but with God's help, can. And like that's supposed to be faith 101, right? We're saved by our faith. Faith means trust. And who are we trusting in? Remember our God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do? I love that song. You know, a lot of kids' songs could be really, really too simplistic, too sentimental. Not that one. And I know, you know, God is big. It's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. Our God is greater than anything. There's nothing that he can do, can't do. And so when he calls us to whatever it is, there's nothing that he can't do through us. So now let's look at the importance of Hanukkah. First of all, it's an influential event for the second temple period. The, the time that Jesus came in, that we call it the second temple period because that's the period of the second temple. Things don't have to be that complicated, right? So it was the temple that was built when, began to be built when the people returned from exile. And the overthrow of this massive empire, like they had war elephants wouldn't you love to see a well? You would, you, you do, and you don't. You know, a war elephant. They had the tanks. The Seleucids had the tanks of the day, and the Israelites did not. They only had God. No war elephant is going to stand before 
God. One of the things that the victory of the small Jewish army, the effect that that had on the psyche of the Jewish people, is that fed the messianic idea that Messiah was going to come and conquer the Romans. Now, I don't know if anyone's heard me say something that I like to say, and that is, when Jesus came and he didn't exactly do that, he didn't do less, he did more. Because while he didn't break Caesar's sword, he broke the power behind Caesar's sword because he broke the power of death. Once death has no uh, say over our lives, there's nothing that we can't do, of course, that God calls us to. But anyway, uh, this great victory over this empire um, fed the psyche of the Jewish people. It also did something very important, and it provided the preservation of the Jewish people, without which we would not have a Messiah at all. And also, what's important about Hanukkah is the lessons that it teaches. So some Hanukkah lessons. Life is a battle. I can speak for myself. I know this, but I don't like it. I want life to be easy. I want life to be comfortable. I don't like the the struggles. I don't like the pain. I don't like the whole list. We need to get used to the fact that life is a battle. And we have been called to engage this battle. Second, the threat of assimilation. Talked about that earlier on. Part of that battle is there are forces in the world that are trying to absorb us into them, to get us to be just like them. I've been doing a little bit of research about the history of public relations that started in the 1920s and how advertising, business, uh, politics, and how uh, they sold themselves to the masses have changed and, and began to learn how to manipulate people. We are being manipulated by the forces around us constantly. We think we are making our own decisions about what we eat and what we wear and many of the things that we enjoy when actually that's been foisted upon us. And at some point, somebody needs to make a stand like Matityahu and say enough is enough. But it costs to make a stand. We're back to life's a battle and it can be painful. But it is worth it. What's the alternative? Do we want to be absorbed into the prevailing culture, into what the Bible calls the world? That's the right answer. But those forces are very, very strong. We also learn from Hanukkah that that faith is something that has to, at some point, be expressed in action. It's not just something that we think. It's not something that we feel. Often when we talk about believing, we simply think about concepts in our head that's not the biblical understanding of what faith is. That's why faith and works go together. But works... It's five letters. The five letters of works is a four-letter word in the church. Works is not a bad word. It's how we relate to them. If we think we could, we could show, you know, somehow by doing things we can get God to approve us, we're wrong. No one who lived by faith in the entire Bible ever lived that way. All those who truly knew God it had to do with their trusting in him. 
But that trusting in him has to be displayed by how they live. That's, that's how we know. We're never, we're never brought into the psychology of these, of these characters. We're brought into their, their, their lives. We see their character by how they live. Faith in God must be faith that's lived out. And thank God for people like the Maccabees who were, who were true to what God was calling to, them to do in their day. The question is, what is God calling us to do in our day? We so need boldness. Synonym for confidence. But I fear for myself and for others that we're not. We, we become so um, uh, hesitant. We become so, um, there's another word, I just lost it. Um, kind of like when we're kind of bargaining with the situations all the time. We're thinking everything out before we, you know, we, we, everything is, has to be weighed before we do it. And where is that enough is enough and going for it and doing what we no, we, we need to do. I love in Acts 4 how the disciples come back after being threatened. They were in prison. They were threatened. They were told not to preach in that name anymore. And what do they do? They ask God to give them more boldness to do the very thing that got them into trouble. I am not naturally like that. I haven't met a lot of people who have. And maybe it's not about being naturally like that. Maybe we need to be supernaturally like that because God knows what we're made of. We need his confidence to be put in us supernaturally. And then for many of us, and we should all be doing this on a regular basis, Hanukkah reminds us of the need to rededicate our lives to the Lord. You know, it doesn't have to be with a, a great ceremony. It could just be recognizing that we tend to drift. We tend to drift. So we need to be recalibrated back to where God wants us to be. We should regularly be rededicating our lives to the Lord. And so I just want to share some final reflections. We saw that one of the things that happened that led to Hanukkah was Torah, Torah study was forbidden. Now, will we see the Bible banned in our day? We might. But I don't think it's necessary. It's not necessary due to how much the Bible has been shamed. Over time, we've been told that the biblical world is so different from ours that it's become more and more difficult to see how what the Bible teaches can be relevant to today's world. Many have become convinced that it was written at a time when misogynistic, homophobian racists walked the earth. And therefore, the issues the Bible addresses have nothing to do with our supposedly far more enlightened world. This is believers and non-believers too. Many of us are embarrassed about much that's in the Bible. We sit in judgment over the real and imagined sins of the past while we congratulate ourselves for our superior morality. What then does the Bible have to teach us? We may seek to mine the Bible for encouragement and hope. We want to bolster our faith after all, but when it comes to life's particulars, marriage and family, sexuality, business, politics, leisure, entertainment, what constitutes legitimate congregational life, and so on. Many of us have left the Bible, the whole Bible,
far, far behind. Sure, we're diehard fans of Jesus, but we become detached from the very written word that defined his person, his life, and his mission. A mission that's been extended to his followers. The God-given mandate to disciple the nations, a mandate entrusted to us by the Most High to instruct the world in his good and life-infused ways. Yet, when we get into the nitty-gritty of Scripture, especially when it comes to Jesus' own Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Scriptures that Paul said were not only breathed out by God, but are also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that God's people may be complete, equipped for every good work, when it comes to the fullness of those Scriptures, many of us have become what we might call, get ready for this, Neo-Marcionites. Yes, we become Neo-Marcionites. Marcionism was an ancient Gnostic heresy that claimed that not only was the Old Testament God and New Testament God different from each other, but that the Old Testament is, an archaic, is archaic and oppressive, and it's been replaced by a new and improved covenant, a version of which neither Paul nor Jesus would recognize. So instead of standing confident in his written word, his entire written word, we are often apologetic and ashamed of God's ancient but enduring truth that is as relevant today as it was when it was first written. But it needn't stay this way. Like Matityahu of old, we need to say, enough is enough. We need to take up the spiritual sword of God's word. We need to ask God to teach us how to effectively wield it in our day. But first, we need to ask him to pierce our own hearts with it afresh, allowing ourselves to be taught by him without shame and without fear, as he fills us with his words of life to not only nourish ourselves, but to enable us to provide light to an ever-increasingly dark world. Well, what did you think of that? I hope you found that helpful and informative and maybe challenging. Uh, please uh, let me know what you think. Put your comments and questions in the comments section, or you can email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. That's comments at thinkingbiblically.org. And I want to say thank you to all those who've helped support uh, my teaching ministry this past year, and uh, if you would like to but haven't done so and you uh, can send a year-end gift, it would be greatly appreciated. You can go to alangilman.ca slash support. That link will also be in the description below. And so again, uh, email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org if you have any questions or comments, and uh, looking forward to seeing you all soon. <music>